Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Off in the S's, a podcast focusing on the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I'm your host, Stu, and today we are going to be reviewing the Salem Six Hours of the Glen that took place this last weekend at Watkins Glen International. Also, it's a back-to-back weekend for IMSA. And we also head to the Chevrolet Grand Prix at Sports, So we will be previewing everything that you need to know going into that race weekend as well. Let's get into it. Well, we start off with a bunch of news coming out of the LMDH world this past week. Porsche has unveiled more details about its Porsche 963 LMDH car, including the official livery and a full specification on the twin-turbo V8 engine that will be in it. The, na- the 963, also the name of it, has was also unveiled and alludes to Porsche's sports prototypes of the past, particularly the Porsche 962 which, along with the 956, has served as inspiration for the car's new design. While the color scheme of red, white, and black is a nod to their previous racing models, the DNA of the car goes back to the Porsche RS Spider LMP2, which Penske ran in the 2000s. The engine, meanwhile, will be a 4.6-liter twin-turbo V8 derived from the engine found in the hybrid-powered Porsche 918 Spyder road car that outputs a maximum of 670 horsepower. Porsche has indicated that it is aiming to be ready for a test in race conditions at the 8 hours of Bahrain in November, but we all know how, uh, how these schedules can be pretty fluid sometimes. So I wouldn't be holding my breath, but I think we're all hopeful that we'll see that Porsche at the tr- on track in Bahrain. Porsche also announced it's a driver. Stable, we'll call it. They haven't announced official driver lineups yet for specific cars. Um, but we got a bit of clarification on drivers. We have Kevin Esther. Michael Christensen, Andre Lauderer, Lawrence Van Thor, Matt Campbell, and Machu Jamine, who joined the previously announced duo of Felipe Nazar and Dane Cameron. Now, Machu Jamine and Matt Campbell both expressed over the weekend at Watkins Glen their desire to remain in IMSA uh, full-time and ideally again as co-drivers. You know what? For me, an IMSA fan, just seeing them, hearing them say that really, really makes you feel good and really makes you believe that, you know, what IMSA is doing truly is good when you get drivers of their caliper. They're like, yeah, you know what? I want to stay here and I want to continue racing in this series. Um, they they clearly like what's going on. And, and that's just a really good vote of confidence in my eyes for uh for the series not only for right now but into the next few years and and into this new formula campbell was quoted as saying that we would love to have the opportunity to be together and stay in imsa let's see what happens it was also revealed with this news that it was jamine and campbell who tested together in the penske lmp2 car at the indianapolis road course in 2021 JDC Miller Motorsports also was confirmed as the first customer team of Porsche's 963 LMDH car for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. This comes after multiple years with a Cadillac affiliation for the Minnesota-based team. It will feature full customer support from Porsche with a to-be-decided driver lineup. Porsche did previously state that it will support a maximum of two customer cars in both the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the FIA World Endurance Championship next year, along with the additional entries for, of course, the factory outfit, Porsche Porsche Penske Motorsport. It was also said that the first race in Daytona is in question for customer teams, and that if the car cannot be ready until Sebring or later for customer teams, customer teams only, 
Um, it may not be made available until then if there are supply chain issues. Again, the big if. It was also announced by Porsche Motorsport North America President and CEO Volker Holzmeier uh, that the cost of the car is $2.9 million. So start picking out the change of your couch. Um, that comes, of course, complete with full customer support uh, at a comparable level to their previous RS Spider program. In more LMDH news and more IMSA-related LMDH news, Alpine is in continued discussions with Andretti Autosport for an IMSA-based LMDH program in 2024. Andretti has, of course, very publicly been in preliminary talks with the manufacturer on a potential deal in Formula One for an engine supply and a potential sports car deal now. IMSA has stated that any LMDH or LMH manufacturer must sell cars in North America and have a production road car of at least 2,500 units per year. So, they do meet the production requirement with their A110 model, but Alpine currently doesn't serve the U.S. market. So this is going to be a story to keep an eye on. It's, we're going to have to see how it develops. You know, and they kind of say if there truly is a will, then there can be a way. We'll see what Alpine decides to do with this. In further news, SportsCar365 learned that the first group LMDH test, which was initially scheduled to include Porsche, Cadillac, and Acura, is now set for July 12th. Yes, July 12th. We're just a couple weeks away here at Sebring. Uh, while Porsche and Cadillac will be present, for sure it is unclear if the Acura will be ready in time for the test. Among the items to be validated at Sebring include a new Bosch MGU after previous complications with the unit during the Porsche endurance test last month. It's understood that there have been reliability concerns that have only occurred during on-track testing and not in their dyno environment. BMW's M Hybrid LMDH car, though, is set for a late July rollout in Italy, followed by its first proper test in Europe in mid-August. This, of course, will be followed by the IMSA test at Road Atlanta in October. All right, let's get into some news now and just support race action from last weekend at the Glen. Starting off with DPI, we finally got a little bit of clarity here on the changes to the BOP that that DPI category has been experiencing. IMSA Technical Director Matt Kurdock said that a form of track-specific BOP has been utilized per Acura and Cadillac's request. Key, key thing here, per their request. Kurdock said that it is the hope of the IMSA Technical Committee that BOP will be more stabilized for the remainder of the year and will not necessarily adjust for each particular track. He was quoted as saying, uh, Our intent from here on out would be to run around the range of BOP that we're in right now. Ryan Hunter Ray in other DPI-related news is understood to already have a Cadillac for, or a contract, pardon me, with Chip Ganassi Racing for 2023. He shared testing duties alongside full season driver Earl Bamber in the number 01 Cadillac during its two-day test. In some LMP2 news, Ben Keating looks set to drive in both the World Endurance Championship and IMSA in 2023 in both the GTE AM and LMP2 categories. He was quoted as saying, next year is the last year for GTE and WEC. I think I would really enjoy doing one last year of the GE GTE car. I really enjoy driving that car. I would like to close that chapter over there. For sure, at a minimum, I would expect to see me in an LMP2 back in IMSA for the four endurance races again, something similar to what I'm doing this year. So, it looks like Ben Keating very well might be back to Ben Keating things 
and uh, and be doing the double duty in IMSA and WEC next year. In some LMP3 news, AWA has undergone a driver change with Kyle Marcelli replacing Kuno Whitmer in its number 13 entry for Watkins Glen, as well as at the Chevrolet Grand Prix at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Team spokesperson confirmed that Whitmer is no longer with the team and that Matt Bell has been drafted in for the two remaining races of the season, which will take place at Road America and Petit Le Mans alongside full season driver Ore Fadani. With Felipe Fraga away at DTM this weekend, Scott Andrews will return to the number 74 Riley Motorsports LMP3 for Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. He won his last race in the LMP3 category last fall at Petit Le Mans. In GTD Pro, the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW of Brian Sellers, Madison Snow, and Eric Johansson is sporting a special Stars and Stripes livery uh, for both the Watkins Glen uh, sale in six hours of the Glen and at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park next weekend in celebration of the upcoming 4th of July holiday. In GTD, Inception Racing is taking a race-by-race approach for the remainder of the Sprint Cup season. This is according to team manager Boss Linders, who confirmed to SportsCar365 that they will skip next weekend's race at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park due to a busy month of July that will include the FIA World Endurance Championship round at Monza and the Total Energy's 24 Hours of Spa. The team is, of course, UK-based, and thus they're not mandated, or they're not, it's not that they're not mandated, they're not really affected by the vaccine mandates that some of the teams are experiencing, uh, because they've had to be vaccinated to get over and and get back home regardless uh, during all this time. So not really playing into, uh, not really affecting them too much. Windward Racing on the weekend unsuccessfully attempted to enter an unclassified entry utilizing the Schaeffler Paravans Space Drive Steer-By-Wire technology. You'll recall that hearing that they were trying to add an, a second Mercedes to the grid um, and uh, and unfortunately they, uh, they were unsuccessful in, in completing the entry. Uh, the car was set to be run by Maxi Buke along with Alec Udell and Lorenzo Ferrari. It was greenlighted by IMSA, but unfortunately did not get the unanimous approval from the teams for one of these unclassified entries to go through. All of the teams have to unanimously approve of, uh, of the entry, and it's said that there was a manufacturer, one or two manufacturers, that were not okay with this entry being on the grid. They are said to attempt it again uh, later this season, though. So we don't have an indication of when that might be, but uh, perhaps at, uh, say, the Lime Rock round. You know, it's GT only. Maybe we'll get um, maybe we'll get them attempt that entry again there. Uh, right Motorsports Porsche is among one of several cars that are set to miss the upcoming round at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. The Ohio-based squad has elected to forego its GTD-class Porsche due to the Canadian vaccine policies. Uh, Driver Ryan Hardwick and other key members of the team are unvaccinated, and therefore they are unable to cross the border. They are going to be joined by the number 32 Team Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes and, of course, the number 70 Inception Racing McLaren that we just talked about. Okay, let's move on to some of the support series races that went on this past weekend at the Salem Six Hours of the Glen. Because, um, let me tell you, there was some great racing that took place in these races. And kicking off with the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. If you missed the race, well, you gotta go back and watch it when IMSA posts it on YouTube. Because it was a great race. And if you only have a few minutes to watch to watch just part of it, go and watch those final 20 minutes of the race. It was it was a great race and um, really highlighted by one of the big names in this series picking up his first win. Robert Wickens has claimed his first win in the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge, just his fifth start. And this is his first win since, of course the catastrophic 
IndyCar accident that he suffered a number of years ago. Of course, Wickens was paired with Mark Wilkins, and the pair of Canadians were victorious in the Tioga Downs Casino Resort 120. The number 33 Hyundai that they were driving would take the lead with Wickens at the wheel before handing off to Wilkins for the second half of the race. Wilkins would go off, go on to hold off the number 5 KMW Motorsports Alfa Romeo of Tim Lewis Jr. by a very close margin of just under four-tenths of a second in what was a great final couple of laps. Wiccan, or Wilkins, pardon me, had a great drive there at the end to, uh, to hold him off. And uh, as I mentioned, this is Wiccan's first win using a car that's utilizing hand controls and his first win since 2017, which came in DTM. The number two Brian Herta Autosports Hyundai of Ryan Norman and AJ Muss completed the TCR class podium. Meanwhile, though, in Grand Sport, it was the Turner Motorsports number 95 BMW of Bill Oberlin and Dylan McAvern who completed the win there. They made a pass for the lead with just 12 minutes to go after a nice overtake of number 72 Marillo Racing Mercedes of Christian Simzak. Uh, you can actually see a, a link to that if you go check out Off in the S's on YouTube. Uh, posted, we were very fortunate. We got a great view of that pass uh, into the bus stop chicane there. Um, the 72 would eventually lose out on that second place position to the pole-sitting number 28 RS1 Porsche of Stephen McAleer and Eric Fulgueris. Uh, but they would stay on the podium in third place with teammate Kenny Marillo. There were a lot of other IMSA support series that were going this weekend. The Porsche Carrera Cup was there. The Lamborghini Super Trofeo series had a couple of rounds as well. But the support series that I always really want to focus on is the Mazda Itamitsu MX-5 Cup. And it was Tyler Gonzalez in the number 51 Copeland Motorsports entry that picked up the win in race one, followed by Joey Adnosio, the number, uh, who was driving number 43, and Aiden Fosnat in the number 15 entry. That's not the last that we're going to hear about Aiden. There were full four... Four full course yellows in this first one uh, that came out to split up that 45-minute race significantly. Couldn't really get into a good groove uh, for the drivers. Um, but all, And ultimately, a full course yellow right at the end uh, ended the race a little bit early and the drivers weren't able to race to the line. Uh, this was after pole sitter Connor Zilich, who led at points in this race, hit the wall in the closing minutes and brought out the safety car. Tyler Gonzalez was carrying the image of a of friend Nick Bruckner, who he recently lost in a battle with leukemia on the car. And uh, by far the most impressive weekend, perhaps of the season, perhaps, I mean, in recent memory here, came from Aiden Fosnott in the number 15 McCombie McAleer racing entry. He drove from the back in race one to the podium, as I just mentioned, um, in, the, in race one. But in race two, he did two spots better than he did in race one. Once again, starting from the back, he came all the way back to win the second round of the Watkins Glen weekend and his first win of his career. Bruno Carniero in the number 21 finished in P2 0.075 seconds behind his fellow rookie. Less than a tenth, they were side by side heading to the line. And championship leader Jared Thomas rounded out the podium in P3. It was an incredible race here. The, in the closing laps, Fosnot and Carniero battled it out. There were lead changes between the two multiple times. And ultimately, it was a last lap pass by Fosnot that sealed the victory. And he was just narrowly able to hold on. Apparently, coming out of the final corner, uh, Carniero just dipped his wheels a little bit into the grass 
and that was pretty much said and done. He was just wasn't going to be able to uh, to get up and be able to complete that pass for the win. But man, what can you say about Fosnot? Just uh, such an incredibly impressive weekend for him. Um, a rookie driver, uh, he gained 17 positions on the opening lap alone. I I'm I really hope that Fosnot's going to post like onboard footage from this race, and we're going to be able to go and, and look back at that that onboard because that that's going to be incredible to watch if he posts that. Uh, also of note, there was not a full course yellow in race two, so quite the polar opposite of race one. All right, let's jump into some of the practice sessions now. For the sale in six hours, the Glen in FP1, it was Tom Bloomquist, fastest in opening practice, putting up a best lap of 131.217 to beat out the 0-1 Chip Ganassi racing entry of Sebastian Borde and the number 10 Acura of Ricky Taylor. LMP2, meanwhile, was led by the number 52 PR1 Matheson Motorsports Orica of Mikael Jensen with a 132.629, while Colin Braun topped the time charts in LMP3 with his number 54 Core Autosport Ligier at a 139.789. In GTD, it was Mike Skeen in the Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes that was fastest of all of the GT3-based entries, at one at a 146.197 a lap time. The session saw four red flags over the 90 minutes of running, with none of them uh, resulting in any significant damage to cars. In the second and final practice, it was Tom Bloomquist again who topped the charts at a 129.581, just two hundredths faster than Felipe Albuquerque in the number 10 Wayne Taylor Racing Acura. Earl Bamber was two tenths back in third place. Of note, though, the Acuras in this session did set those fresh times, or set those times on, well, they were fresh times. They set those times on fresh tires and at the very end of the session, so clearly going for sort of a quali lap uh, there right at the end. In LMP2, Giordio Vandergaard was fastest with a 132.7 lap time. Uh, Malta Jakobsen topped LMP3 on a 139.669. GTD Pro was led by Ben Barnacote, who also was the fastest GT3-based car, um, with the number 14 Vassar Sullivan Lexus. That was a 145.338. And then in G- regular GTD, it was once again that number 32, Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes, uh, who led with 145.388. Three red flags came out in this session, uh, as there were, and there was also a number of other spins and incidents that took place. Uh, but with 54 minutes completed, Kiffin Simpson and the number 66, Gradient Racing Acura, got together with the number 99, Hardpoint Porsche of Catherine Legg, on his outlap, this put both tur- both cars into the barriers at turn six. And uh, this would actually lead to both cars missing Quali. Uh, Quali was not too far after FP2. Um, both of those cars, though, would be successful in making it out for the race. During the one hour and 45 minute session, a total of 43 lap times were deleted as drivers explored track limits. This was a story all weekend long. It was the first time really that IMSA was policing track limits here at the Glen. And there were penalties handed out in the race. Most notably for GT entries, they were really exploring the outer limits of, uh, of the track. But there were lots of lap times that were deleted. I was talking with one of the track marshals. Um, they were doing some reviews of the session and he said that, I think they said that there were 90 on, I think on Saturday alone, he said that there were 90 or 92, um, instances of track limits being violated at, I believe it was turn eight. Um, or no, I think he was in turn 10 is where he said he was, but turn 10, 92 instances of drivers violating the track limits there, and uh, and they said that the the stu- or the the track marshals there were a 19 for 20 or 95 percent on uh, on making the correct call there. So good job by the track marshals. Um, you know you don't really want to see track limits 
becoming an issue and generally we don't get to see that in IMSA but uh this was something that was uh, a factor this weekend and IMSA was uh was coming down on drivers for it and it's going to cost some teams in the race Moving on to qualifying, though, it was Tom Bloomquist once again sitting atop the charts with their, with Meyer Shanks race, Racing's first pole of the season with a record-setting 129.580 in that number 60 Acura. He edged out the number 10 Acura of Ricky Taylor by a tenth and a half. Meanwhile, Sebastian Bourdais qualified third in the number 01 Chip Ganassi Racing Cadillac, four and a half tenths back of the sister 02 of Earl Bamber in fourth, and the number 31 Action Express Racing Cadillac of Olivier Pla completed the top five. Of note, the number 48 had a front brake issue that saw them qualify off the pace in DPI. In LMP2, Ben Keating picked up the pole after a heck of a battle with his PR1 Matheson Motorsports teammate Stephen Thomas. Keating's 133.930 in that number 52 edged out Thomas by one one thousandth of a second. Talk about having bragging rights at the team dinners. The number 20 high-class racing entry driven by Dennis Anderson will start third. In LMP3, qualifying was cut short by Jared Andretti spinning, who made contact with the turn 11 barriers before spinning out in turn 1. Pole went to Nico Veroni in the number 40 Fast MD Racing entry, who also set a new track record lap in the LMP3 class at a 140.028. This was followed by the number 58 MLT Motorsports entry of Josh Sarchet and the number 54 of John Bennett. BMW M Team RLL scored its maiden GTD Pro class poll with Connor Filippi's setting a 144.755 lap time in the number 25 BMW. He edged out the number 23 Heart of Racing Aston Martin of Ross Gunn by just under half a tenth of a second. And David Rigon put the number 62 Risi Competizione Ferrari on third starting position. In GTD Regular, it went to GTD Regular... Um, it went to uh, Stephen McAleer for the pole position in the number 32 Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes. These guys are really quick in practice and in qualifying in the race, though. They had a few issues that popped up, unfortunately, that uh, kind of derailed their weekend. Uh, he sat on pole there on a 145.077. That was almost four-tenths ahead of the number 12 Vassar Sullivan Lexus, who was one-hundredth ahead of Robbie Foley in the Turner Motorsports number 96 BMW. Before we continue, though, make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite podcasting app to never miss an episode. You can also interact with us on Twitter or on YouTube at Off in the S's. Links to both of those can be found in the show notes. All right, now let's get into the race recap for the Salem Six Hours of the Glen, and it was really a race that kind of saw everything. A little bit wild to watch. Um, especially watching it live, trying to keep up with everything that was going on was a ton of fun. And starting off with the very beginning of the race, uh, before the race had really even properly started, um, there's already news to talk about. IMSA has gone back to split starts for the DPI and GTD Pro classes after opting for a combined group start in the last few races that featured between two and four classes. All five categories are back in action, of course, for the first time since the 12 hours of Sebring that took place in March. Felipe Albuquerque in the opening corners overtook the pole-sitting Tom Bloomquist Meyer Shank Racing Acura on the opening lap. Bloomquist would later take the lead back on the opening round of pit stops. Meanwhile, while this was going on, there was also a great battle taking place in GTD Pro, with the heart of racing Aston Martin of Ross Gunn trying to take the lead unsuccessfully at the time from Connor DiFilippi in the Team RLL BMW. 
The storyline, though, that dominated the opening couple hours of this race were safety cars. Um, with the first brief one coming out just 20 minutes into the race for the number 74 Riley Motorsports and the number uh, the number 747 LMP3 that spun in turn one. A second safety car would come out before the hour mark was up um, as the number 81 Dragon Speed car lost its left front wheel after making a pit stop. And this was in addition to a separate turn one incident that involved the number 33 Sean Creech Motorsport and the number 36 Andretti Motorsport uh, LMP3s. Safety cars would continue into the second hour with a brief yellow coming out from, you guessed it, number 13 LMP3. Lots of LMP3 incidents here in the opening few couple hours of this race. Uh, they spun and later a safety car came out again for an engine failure and a subsequent fire on board the number six Mjolnir Motorsports LMP3 that took quite some time to clean up. Thankfully, driver climbed from the car and from that fire very quickly and to safety. Um, the track crew and the safety crew were on uh, were on scene quickly as well to uh, to put out the fire. Perhaps the very hot temperatures that we experienced in Watkins Glen this weekend played into this, because uh, it's not very often that you see one of those LMP3 motors blow up like that, especially in such a spectacular fashion. You know what? There's a saying also out there that uh, that safety cars lead or breed safety cars, and uh, that was the case here because on the subsequent restart, there was an accident yet again, and uh, involving an LMP3 car. And actually the number 13 LMP3 car of Lars Kern that would put the race back under full course yellow conditions. Now, not talked about in this incident was just how close an IMSA cameraman was to these crashing cars. Thankfully, he was unharmed um, in the accident, but he he was right up against the, uh, the barrier getting some photos and um, he, the, the, the car ended up hitting the barrier probably like 15 feet away from him. It was very, very close. He was a little bit shook up from it. Thankfully, he walked away though. Uh, we actually had a great viewpoint of this from where we were camping and uh, you can check out the video from our perspective uh, in the link in the show notes. I'll, uh, I'll put that in there for you. While running third in class, GTD points leading number 32, Team Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes of Dirk Mueller suffered a lower right front suspension damage after they got, uh, got into the 0-2 Chip Ganassi Racing Cadillac of Alex Lynn. The car was brought into the pit lane for repairs and eventually brought back out after losing nine laps. So we talked about how quick they were earlier in the weekend. Unfortunately, it would not last and they had this accident come up that would really drop them out of contention uh, relatively early on in this one. At the halfway mark and, uh, and at the handout time for the first batch of the Michelin Endurance Cup points, it was Ollie Jarvis leading the way in the Meyer Shank Racing DPI. The number 20 high-class racing Orica of Anders Fjornbach leads in LMP2. Meanwhile, the LMP3 field, believe it or not, some of them survived. Uh, it was headed up by Nolan Siegel in the number 30 JR3 racing entry. The number 25 BMW Team RLL entry of Augustus, uh, Augusto Fargus, pardon me, uh, led in GTD Pro, while Jordan Pepper led in the number 70 Inception Racing McLaren in GTD. So we talked about it. The first two hours of this race were dominated by safety cars. The middle couple hours, two and a half hours of this race, I mean, we only saw green flag stints. It was great. You got to watch the cars, the, the battles developed and unfolded. But we were talking about this a little bit over the course of the weekend. You know, what could possibly impact the final third of the race? Well, there was weather in the forecast, and weather reared its ugly head. 
because with 90 minutes left on the clock, the race was red flagged due to lightning in the area. This red flag came moments after the race was placed in full course yellow status for an incident involving the number 20 high class racing and number 29 racing team Netherland entries battling for position and ultimately wrecking the number 39 Carbon Lamborghini in turn 7 or the heel of the boot. This... Unfortunately, that Lamborghini was in the wrong place at the wrong time. The number 20 high-class racing and number 29 racing team Netherlands entries, it, you know, it looked like the high-class racing car got up into the number 29, kind of halfway down the straightaway. I don't think the racing team Netherlands entry realized they were in a three-wide battle at that point with that GTD on the inside. Um, it kind of looked like the driver, uh, like they really didn't appreciate that. Uh, kind of getting nudged. Um, even though I don't believe the high-class racing entry did it intentionally, I think that it was just a result of being in three-wide racing. And it looked like the the, the 29 kind of jerked the wheel back to the right a little bit um, to tell the high-class racing team, like, we didn't appreciate that. But in doing so, the high-class racing team had to take, that, that car had to, to take evasive action, got into the, the Lamborghini, and sent that Lambo for a ride, I tell you what. The um, the, the car <clears throat> hit the inside wall going into, into turn 7 and then ended up skidding across the track into the outside wall. A really hard hit. Driver was okay, um, but a big incident nonetheless. And uh, ultimately, it was it, uh, the full course yellow was kind of for naught here as the red flag came out uh, moments after. In the end, though, uh, we had 35 minutes to go when uh, when the racing resumed. Fortunately, we didn't miss out on the rest of the race as the weather system moved through very quickly. Um, and, uh, and the cars returned to the track and went back racing with 21 minutes to go. So on the restart, Felipe Albuquerque passed the number 60 Meyershank Racing Acura of Tom Bloomquist and would hold on to win the sale in six hours of the Glen alongside teammate Ricky Taylor. Uh, Tom Bloomquist and Ollie Jarvis would hold on for P2 with Sebastian Bourdais and Ranger van der Zander completing the podium in the number 01 Chip Ganassi Racing Cadillac. It was a bit surprising to hear this. Uh, Felipe Albuquerque did actually make contact with the number 42 NTE Sport Lamborghini with seven laps to go while leading that seriously put victory in doubt here. Um, uh, he reported that the steering was bent and that he was not certain whether he could drive the car to the end. He said that the car was very unsettled. Uh, he could not hold the wheel straight. It was at an angle. But regardless, he toughed it out and he made it to the end. They also had, they were a question mark whether they could make it to the end on fuel. And uh, of course, ultimately, they did make it to the end on fuel. But uh, it was certainly cutting it close. The number 0, 2, and number 31 rounded out the top 5 in DPI. Meanwhile, in LMP2, that saw Scott Huffaker take the number 52, Orica, across the line just one-tenth of a second ahead of the number 8 Tower Motorsport entry of Luis Delatraz. Huffaker shared duties with Mikael Jensen and Ben Keating. And the number 29 racing team, Netherland, entry rounded out the top five. Or, pardon me, rounded out the podium. The LMP3 class win went to the number 74 Riley Motorsports Ligier of Felipe Fraga, Gar Robinson, and Kai Van Berlo. They finished a lap ahead of the second place, Core Autosport number 54, and third place, finishing 58 of Performance Tech Autosport. The Heart of Racing swept both GTD Pro and GTD Class wins with the number 27 and number 23 entries after post-race infractions. Yes, post-race penalties decided both of these class wins uh, for the number 25 BMW Team RLL and the number 57 Winward Racing entry. Uh, we'll talk more about this in a moment, though. 
In pro, it was Ross Gunn and Alex Ribeiros who took the win um, and with the podium that was completed by the Risi Competizioni number 62 and the number 9 FAF Motorsports Porsche, both of which led at times in the race, but both of them had to box in the closing lap to top up on fuel. In GTD, the podium was completed by the number 70 Inception Racing McLaren and the number 96 Turner Motorsports Mercedes. Ian James, Roman DeAngelis, and Maxime Martin became the first drivers to outright win uh, in a GTD entry among the production-based ranks in their number 27 Aston Martin entry. They beat out, and actually it wasn't just them. It was also the second, I believe the second place Inception Racing McLaren for sure also did it. And the Turner Motorsports uh, BMW was also very close to doing this as well. They finished ahead of their GTD Pro counterparts. And also of note that number 27 entry, we talked about cars being close on fuel. There are a number of cars here that had to box in those closing few laps to top up on fuel. The number 27 ran out of fuel as they were crossing the line and they were actually unable to make it back around the track to the pits. They were sputtering around the track and they ended up having to stop the car in turn 10 uh, on the in-lap. All right, let's head into some post-race notes for the sale in six hours of the Glen. The big news coming out of this, of course, are the were the post-race penalties for teams not meeting minimum drive time. At the end of the day, nine cars were moved to the back of their classes as a result of not meeting this minimum drive time. GTD Pro Class winning, number 25 BMW of John Edwards came in under at an hour and one minute of drive time. GTD regular winner, the number 57 winner racing Mercedes, Philippe Ellis came in at a at 116 minutes, or one hour, 16 minutes and four seconds. Third place LMP3 finishing Andretti Autosport Ligier of Gabby Chavez. Well, they raced for one hour and eight minutes. Those were among the, the teams and drivers that were immediately informed when the race, right when the race finished. Additional cars that got moved to the back of their respective classes included the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW of Brian Sellers, who was in the car for an hour and 13 minutes. Number 12, Vassar Sullivan Lexus, Aaron Tielitz in an in for an hour and two minutes. The Team Korthoff Mercedes, number 32, Mike Skeen in for an hour and 15 minutes. NT Esport Lamborghini, Marco Holzer, also for an hour and 15 minutes. Crucial Motorsports McLaren, Paul Holton, an hour and eight minutes. And the number 99 Hardpoint Porsche of Catherine Legg, in for an hour and 10 minutes. Minimum drive time was set to an hour and 17 minutes, the adjusted minimum drive time. And initially, it was an hour and 30. We'll talk about that in a second. IMSA had to go on to clarify the adjusted drive time calculations and they did so on Tuesday. They reduced the minimum drive time requirement for LMP2, LMP3, GTD Pro, and GTD from an hour and 30 minutes to an hour and 17 minutes after taking into account the 14% of the race time that was lost due to the red flag for weather. DPI competitors' drive time was also reduced from 30 minutes to 25 minutes, but this was not a factor uh, for any of those guys. Uh, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship sporting regulations do state that drive time is not accrued during red flags. So all of the teams knew this. The teams that suffered were the teams that backloaded drive time for a single driver to the final scheduled couple of hours. They were the ones that were not able to meet this adjusted minimum time. It was also revealed by IMSA that they issued a stage one weather advisory at 2.22 p.m., which was nearly one hour prior to the red flag. This was followed by a second advisory that came some 27 minutes later. Several teams, including the LMP2 class leading, uh, Dragon Speed Orica, uh, he, they pitted at the time. They swapped out Juan Pablo Montoya, put, 
put his son, Sebastian Montoya, in. This was because of drive time concerns. Um, and this was right at the resumption of the race after the red flag. Dragon Speed was among the teams that were not penalized for drive time. Now, this was something that was, of course, talked about a lot post-race. It's going to be talked about for a little while, and there's going to be both sides of the board that are going to emerge on this one. Uh, is IMSA doing the right thing? Uh, you know, if this many teams are being affected, maybe it's something in the rules that's the problem as opposed to how these teams are, are planning their drivers and, and their stints. I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day... Teams knew this was a possibility. Everybody knew the forecast. I myself camping out there, I sure as heck know, knew that there was a storm that was going to be coming. Um, we were watching the weather radar. Teams have great access to weather radar. They would have saw what was coming. There were precautions that teams could have took to prevent this from occurring. Some of them did put those in place. Unfortunately, some of them didn't. And I think lots, the ones that did receive a penalty, you know, they ultimately paid the price for that. And um, I want to hear from you guys. Uh, let me know on Twitter, at Off in the S's, or if you're watching this on YouTube, let me know in the comments down below what you thought of these penalties being handed out that affect this, uh, this race finish. I know there's a lot of varying opinions out there, and I want to hear what yours is. Heading back to some other notes not related to drive time, uh, Wayne Taylor Racing, uh, heading into this weekend, had not won at Watkins Glen since 2011. More than 10 years. Well, that's a long slump for one of the great teams of the sport. Uh, when Max Angelelli and Ricky Taylor swept both the six hours of the Glen and NASCAR weekends. Um, in the Chevrolet-powered Delara Daytona prototype. IMSA race director Bo Barfield came onto the radio in the second hour and issued a very stern warning to LMP3 competitors, who had, of course, caused a majority of the incidents and full-course cautions in the opening stages of the race. He warned them they needed to smarten up uh, <laughs> here as this race carried on. Sebastian Borde in post-race was very critical of the DPI balance of performance, saying, I think it'd be good if they could recognize in the series that the Acuras really have an advantage on the quick tracks like this, but they don't seem to do anything about it. So, it is what it is. If you ask me, it just sounds like, uh, you know, he's disappointed that they came out and they didn't really have that competitive of a car. I can understand it, but at the same time, They've had dominant weekends at tracks like Sebring, Detroit. Um, so, you know, it's, you gotta you gotta take it where you can get it. And the status of the number thirteen AWA Duquesne, uh, number thirty nine Carbon with Peregrine Racing Lamborghini. Both of those cars are unclear on their status for the next race at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. Of course, both of them suffered massive accidents in the race uh, that caused severe chassis damage to the point where both those cars might be write-offs. So we're going to see if those guys are going to be on the grid for Canadian Tire Motorsport Park and keep an eye on that heading into the weekend. Speaking of CTMP, well, IMSA returns to MoSport for the first time since 2019 after having the last two years cancelled due to COVID-19. The history of the track dates back to 1958 when the British Empire Motor Club selected the 450-acre plot of land to build a course. The name MoSport, yes, MoSport, not Mossport, a, uh, which is a contraction of motorsport, uh, was coined and applied to the new business, which was named MoSport Limited. Alan Bunting designed the track, and during the design phase, now this is where it gets kind of confusing, Sterling Moss saw the plans for this facility and really liked them, but did recommend that a, the single-radius carousel hairpin at the south end of the track be changed to a 90-degree right-hander, followed by another right-hander leading onto the back straight. 
Now, Moss was convinced that this combination would be a much greater test of driving skill and promote a much more interesting show for the spectators. He sure was right, and the two turns, which are now known as 5A and 5B, have since become known as Moss Corner. By May of 1961, the 3.957-kilometer, or 2.459-mile, 10-turn track was ready for racing. It has seen no major configuration changes with the exception of the pavement, or with the exception of it being repaved, um, and has seen, of course, no major configuration changes since it was built. Since opening, it has hosted just about every form of motorsports in North America that you can imagine, from IndyCar, Formula One, Can-Am, motorcycle racing, and NASCAR, just about everything has been run at this track. IMSA made its debut at the track in 1982, and it has been a driver favorite stop whenever it has been on the schedule. In 2012, the track was officially renamed to its current name of Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, or CTMP for short. But of course, oftentimes, most fans still refer to it as MoSport. This year, we will see 27 cars take to the track. They will be spread across four classes with DPI featuring six entries, LMP3 featuring seven, GTD Pro with six, and GTD with eight. 125 laps were turned by the victorious number 77 Mazda Motorsports DPI of Oliver Jarvis and Tristan Nunez in 2019. The other 2021 class winners were. On the GTLM side, it was the number 912 Porsche of Earl Bamber and Lawrence Banthor. And then finally in GTD, it was the number 96 Turner Motorsports BMW of Bill Oberlin and Robbie Foley. The IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge is also returning to the Canadian Tire Motorsports Park for the Canadian Tire Motorsports Park 120, which will feature 36 entries. And also the IMSA Prototype Challenge competition resumes with 14 entries scheduled. What to watch for? What can you expect this weekend at Mosport? Well, Mosport is a quick and tricky track with lap times for the different classes ranging from the 1 minute 5 seconds for those DPIs down to the 1 minute and 16 seconds for GTDs. The track features a lot of high speed corners with the odd medium and low speed corner mixed in. There's 170 feet of elevation change on the track that provides drivers even more of a roller coaster than the track map would lead you to believe. There are some good passing opportunities into Turn 3, otherwise known as Quebec Corner, Turn 5, which is, of course, known as Moss Corner, and down the Mario Andretti straightaway. There have been some crazy late race passes here in recent years out of the final corner, which is a uh, final corner being Turn 10, a.k.a. White's Corner. And, of course, we are back to the sprint races, so expect it to be a dash to the finish line right from the word go. Weather for the weekend. Well, there's a chance of showers and maybe a thunderstorm on both Friday and Saturday with highs in the mid to high 20s, or which is the low 80s Fahrenheit. Sunday will be sunny with a high of 24 degrees or 76 degrees Fahrenheit. All right, moving on to the full season driver point standings here. It's the number 10 Konica Minolta Acura that leads with 2399 points. The number 60 Meyer Shank Racing Acura is 17 points back with 2382. And rounding out the top three is the Cadillac Chip Ganassi Racing entry of uh, Earl Bamber, Alex Lynn, Marcus Erickson, Erickson, and Neil Johnny, who have 2,239 points. 
in LMP2. It is the PR1 Matheson Motorsports number 52 leading the way with 1,367 points. They lead by 73 points over the number 8 Tower Motorsports Orica. And the number 81 Dragon Speed USA entry is down on the leaders by 110 points. In LMP3, a pretty close race overall here with the number 54 Core Auto Sports entry leading the way with 1,011 points. They have a 47-point advantage on the JR3 Racing entry, and they have a 53-point lead on the number 74 Riley Motorsports entry and last year's champions who have 958 points. In GTD Pro, it is the number 9 FAF Motorsports Porsche that leads with 1,671 points. They have a 98-point lead on the number 14 Vassar Sullivan and a 101-point lead on the number 3 Corvette Racing Entry. And to wrap it up, in GTD, it is the number 32 Gilbert Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes that still leads the way by just 5 points over the right Motorsport Porsche, things getting very tight here, with both of those cars set to miss CTMP. In third place is the number 96 Turner Motorsport BMW, who are 44 points back. Quickly as well, the Michelin Endurance Cup standings. In DPI, see the number 60 Meyer Shank Racing Acura lead with 30 points. They lead by one point over the number 10 Konica Minolta Acura, who have an additional one point lead over the number 5 JDC Miller Motorsports Cadillac. In LMP2, it is the PR1 Matheson Motorsports entry that has a four point lead over the number 29 Racing Team Netherland. In LMP3, it's the number 74 Riley Motorsports entry that has a three-point lead over the number 33 Sean Creech Motorsport. And in GT Pro, it is the number three Corvette Racing entry that has a that has 27 points. They lead by two points over Risi Competizioni in the number 62, um, and they lead by three points over the number nine FAF Motorsports Porsche. And then finally in GTD, it is the number 70 Inception Racing McLaren that have a five-point lead. Yes, a five-point lead over the number 21 AF Corsa Ferrari, who have 26 points. This battle going into, uh, into Petit Le Mans, of course. It's not looking too great. It looks like if, uh, if Inception Racing can just be consistent in uh, in that final race it's going to take a very strong effort from one of these other gtd pro or gtd teams in uh, in order to catch them well there's not just imsa going on this weekend there is a boatload of other racing action for you to take a look at starting off with formula one they're at silverstone this weekend they will be supported by f2 f3 and the w series both qualifying and the race will start at 10 a.m eastern time also going on is a formula e at marrakesh this will go on Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also find DTM at the Norris Ring for a couple of rounds. Those races start on Saturday and Sunday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time. The European Le Mans Series is also going with the Four Hours of Monza, which goes Sunday. That's a 5.30 a.m. Eastern Time start. IndyCar heads to Mid-Ohio. That race starts Sunday at 12.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And we also have some NASCAR action. Starting out with the Xfinity Series, they're at Road America this weekend for the Henry 180. That goes Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And then the Cup Series will hit the track on Sunday with the Crick Quick Trip 250, presented by Jockey Made in America. That goes Sunday at 3 p.m. There is also plenty of action going on in the world of IMSA. 
and this starts on Saturday at 12.35 p.m. Eastern Time on IMSA TV. You can catch WeatherTech Championship qualifying over there. This is followed up by the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge in the Canadian Tire Motorsports 120 that is available to watch on IMSA TV and Peacock. That race goes live just after 4 p.m. Eastern Time. On Sunday, there's more racing for you to watch as at 11.30 on IMSA TV and Peacock, the IMSA Prototype Challenge hits the track for an hour and a half for their round three. And then at 3 p.m., it is the conclusion of the weekend. The IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Chevrolet Grand Prix can be viewed on NBC, Peacock, and IMSA TV. Also going on this weekend is the Mazda Itamitsu MX-5 Cup. They also have back-to-back weekends, but they are not at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, unfortunately for myself. I would love to see those guys run around that track. Um, But they're actually in Road America, and they are supporting NASCAR. So those races are going to be Saturday and Sunday morning at 9.05 Eastern Time. So it's not going to overlap with anything that's going on there at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, at least on the the, um, the broadcast side of things. You can catch those, of course, on IMSA TV. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's going to be some great action there at Road America. It's a huge track. It's a long track. You think there's a lot of drafting at Daytona. Well, wait until you see these cars go around Road America. That is going to wrap up our sale in six hours of the Glen and our Mosport preview episode. A big thank you again to our early Patreon supporters. And if you too want to support the show, then you can head over to patreon.com slash off in the S's. You can also support the show by hitting that subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcasting app to never miss a new episode. And of course, by leaving us a review. You can follow along with us on Twitter or YouTube at Off in the S's. Once again, a big thank you for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great race weekend and doesn't go Off in the S's.